From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. If you live in Portland or have spent much time there, you might guess it's been a tough few years for the city. Now we have data that proves it. Every year here on Straight Talk, we take a look at the state of the Portland metro economy. And this year, the outlook is a pretty gloomy one compared to years past. Gone are the halcyon days when Portland's economy surged for 10 years straight. It was a celebrity city then. You might remember the quip from the TV show Portlandia. Portland, they said, was the city young people go to retire. Maybe working a couple hours a week at a coffee shop. Right, I thought that died out a long time ago. <laughs> Not in Portland. Portland is a city where young people go to retire. Dream of the 90s is alive. Well, not anymore. Population growth in the city and state are declining. Some businesses are leaving. Many employees aren't returning to the office downtown. The State of the Economy report breaks it down by the numbers. 5.4%, that's the job growth for the region in 2022. But Multnomah County lagged behind by 4.5% from pre-pandemic levels. 12,691, that's the decline in population from people leaving Multnomah County. 117 million. That's the income loss for Multnomah County from people moving to Clark County, Washington. And at the same time, local businesses saw a 32% increase in their taxes since 2019. We break it down and look at the reasons why and what the future looks like with our guests, Andrew Hone, the president and CEO of the Portland Business Alliance. John Taponia, president of Echo Northwest, which led this year's research. And Michelle Neese, president of DHM Research, with results of a survey asking people their opinions on the economy, jobs, and community issues. Welcome to Straight Talk. Thank you for joining us. It's nice to have us all back together again here in person. Great to, be, to be here. Great to be here. Andrew, you've been on the show many times talking about this report, and you're always bullish on the city of Portland and its future. This outlook looks pretty grim. Are you still finding reasons to be optimistic? Yeah, well, absolutely. We're perennially optimistic. And of course, we moved our family here and expanded our family here. So we're in it to win it for Portland. But it's it, the report's disheartening. Uh, we can acknowledge that. And, and more specifically, comparing to three years ago, the pace, the rapidity of the decline is, is, is exceptional. So we're, we're here at a crossroads. That, that's the reality, and we have to acknowledge that we are different, uh, that our recovery has been more challenged than other places around the country. We need help, and yet, despite all these challenges, our fundamentals are still really strong, and this community is strong for it. Well, John, your lead researcher at Echo Northwest said the economic outlook for the city is as concerning as at any time since the twin recessions of the 1980s. That sounds pretty dismal. Yeah, well, he's right, but it depends on which Portland you're talking about. So Portland, the region, looks pretty average. You look across the country. We got back to the uh, pre-pandemic job count, but as you get closer to the center, uh, the city of Portland and downtown in particular, uh, way off the pace and some of the poorest performance in the country. When you talk about region, the, the Portland metro region, what are we talking about? Yeah, so to the north, you're talking about Ridgefield, Washington, to the east, Sandy, to the south, Canby, uh, and to the west, Newburgh. So, so pretty, seven pretty counties? Seven counties. So five in that's Oregon and, and two in Washington, Skamania and Clark, Clark County, right? That's right, yep. Now, Michelle, your company did a survey of 500 respondents, mm -hmm. in, both in the city of Portland and then outside the city in the region, and you asked them, if they thought the city was on the right track or the wrong track, what, what did they tell you? Well, the majority of people are still saying that we are on the wrong track. 
But what we saw was sort of hints of that recovery where for the first time in many years, um, we reversed the downward side and a few more people are saying that we're on the right track. So that so, sense so it's of recovery. a little bit more optimistic? I mean, there's a little bright side to that? Potentially, for sure. The, this report, Andrew, used to be called the, the value of jobs report. So let's talk about jobs. How did Portland and Multnomah County do when it comes to jobs compared to the rest of the region? Yeah, so you know, John talked about this a little bit. If you take the aperture up, you go 30,000 foot up, the region is recovering nearly all the jobs lost from the pandemic. And we did this faster than the previous recession. So you think about this big picture commentary. We're doing all right, we've recovered. It's an optimistic commentary. And true to form, we start outpacing the U.S. average in expansion times as we similarly uh, decline faster than the U.S. average in contraction. Uh, but I think the myth-busting element of this report is this concept that, oh, we're just like every other place. No, we're not. We are different. We were one of the first in and last out of the pandemic. We chose public health. We saved lives, and that's to be celebrated. And simultaneously, what was also true is that it had economic consequences, that we paid the price, and we're seeing that play out here in real time. So I think both those statements can be true simultaneously, so we can celebrate the overall recovery, but then, as John said, you get closer to the middle, uh, there's greater challenges that we all face. And the GDP, the gross domestic product for Portland, the value, the total value of, of um, services and, and goods also trailed, why? Yeah, so I think the, the big picture here is you, you link us really distinctly, or we are linked tightly to Seattle and to Vancouver, British Columbia. We are one singular economic unit and we have a global footprint where we export to the world what we make here. We are a traded sector dependent economy and, and that's to be celebrated. It's what is our competitive edge, but it requires us to be extremely competitive and extremely productive. And what you can see here on this slide is that Seattle continues to outpace our own GDP growth here. And it, it, it demonstrates once again that that theme you'll hear consistently coming out is that when we used to be on the top, now we're on the bottom. So Portland's recovery is looking much different because when we used to be a leader, now we are trailing. And this is extremely worrying if you look at the long-term outlook for the region. John, let's add on um, our peer cities that you always compare us to. Mm -hmm. How are we doing there? Well, s slower. Uh, so we've got the Nashville, Indianapolis, Austin, Salt Lake City, uh, and Seattle. And a lot of those places, uh, Nashville, Austin alike, they had a different posture around COVID. So in 2021, mid-2021 and into the end, they were out in restaurants and going to entertainment venues and moving around. We weren't. Uh, we sort of caught up uh, in 2022 relative to the nation, but we never caught up to them. So they, as Andrew said, they sort of, they, they got into this recovery faster and they're still ahead of us. So while Multnomah County and Portland are, are trailing, lagging behind, we're seeing Clark County in Washington surging. Tell, tell us what we see happening there and why. Yeah, so I mean, you see it in a lot of different ways. You've got some good population growth going up there. I think you've got uh, more land availability and probably within local government, maybe a little bit more of a culture toward growth. Uh, and you know they built out that, that waterfront. They're starting to sort of build out those human-made amenities uh, that Portland prided itself on. And so they're becoming much more competitive within the region. And I think you said to me, Andrew, that Clark County is like the engine of the region right now, where it didn't used to be that way. Portland was more of the engine, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a, a multiple elements of this. It's both in job creation, business development, but then also population growth. So you 
think about what is the engine driving all these things now and it's moved north of the river and no one in Clackamas or Washington County should be celebrating any of these numbers either thinking that maybe you know the suburbs are, are sort of taking over the driver's seat and that's not true either um, they're also similarly stagnant in a way that that we're not seeing uh, north of the river and your survey Michelle looked at the attitudes of Portlanders and they tended to be more negative than people outside of Portland can you tell us a little bit about that well I think when you look at the numbers, you can see that there's a clear negativity in Portland. And this is an example where some context is helpful. Last year, Portland was also more negative, And they've seen a, an improvement in how they feel about the region. So again, I think that there's a couple different stories there. Um, and but it's not anything to celebrate for <laughs> when 62% are not happy. <laughs> but we're seeing a little bit of improvement in the wrong track, right track. We mm -hmm. talked about earlier also in the negative attitudes. Are we yeah. maybe getting our groove back a little bit? What do you all think? Well, I would say 2022 generally was a area of improvement in the pandemic. Uh, it, you, you forget that at the very beginning of 2022, we were still fighting Omicron and things were sort of shut down, we weren't going to meetings, those kinds of things. So 2022 was a year when we started to get together again, gradually and then quite a bit uh, toward the end. So I think I, my hunch would be some of that's playing into the optimism. And I think also this survey was done after the election and I think there was you know a few changes in leadership and maybe a sense that now we're really gonna get down to getting things done. And that means there's an opportunity to capitalize on that, and we really need to get things done to maintain that momentum. You hinted about this, Andrew, about the population. And one of the most concerning parts of this data is what we see happening with a number of people leaving Portland, leaving Multnomah County, or people choosing not to move here in the first place, something called immigration. That number declined by 12,691 people. I mean, how significant is that? How concerning is that to you? Yeah, this is, this is the biggest theme here. So, and I wanna make sure people understand so goes Portland, so goes the state of Oregon. And you look at the overall decline in the state of Oregon's population, which had materialized last year, was is largely overlapping with what was seen as a decline within our region. And then you flash back to the last time that we all gathered here in the studio in 2020 and talking about adding a sixth congressional district, you expanding the population, and these, these are things that were happening, and those produce legitimate gains for our region. When you have more congressional power, bring in more resources to our community, these are all positives, including the expansion of the tax base. So I think there has to be a little bit of a message out there because there's there's a lot of uh, misunderstanding that somehow the state and the region can succeed without the center being healthy and if you ask anyone I would challenge anyone to look into history across the US economy and say when did a state or a region do well when its flagship city was in decline and it just doesn't exist you go back to New York City in the 70s and 80s and you see what happened to the state Louisiana post Katrina you just have example after example that the center city, the flagship, has to be healthy. So anyone that has any Portland hate out there just needs to understand that they need to get their head screwed on straight uh, because so goes the city, so goes everyone else around it. And then I think there's the call out here is that why are people leaving? It's an important question. Why are they moving to a different location or choosing not to grow a family here? And I think let's be honest about what we need. Uh, we need our parks to be world-class. We need our streets to be clean. They need to be repaired. We need to have this optimism return because people are feeling there's a confidence in basic services. We need to get down to the basics, including the way that we're spending our resources. We've enacted a series of new taxes that are also exacerbating some of these demographic numbers, in, in my opinion. 
Uh, and we need to spend those dollars so people see the results they were promised when they voted to enact them. And so I think if we can get back to basics, return the basic sense of livability, the thing that was our value add, what we told the world, this is why you should be here, uh, I think you'll see those numbers start to reverse. But it is seriously consequential when you start to see a decline in population. This has been described, John, as a two to three alarm fire that could grow to a five alarm fire right. if it's not reversed. What would happen if this trend doesn't reverse, that the, the state and area is not growing by something called natural growth? Growth, right? right, yeah, so I, I would just say the postcard from the future is uh, the industrial Midwest. Go to Cleveland, mm -hmm. uh, and you can see sort of the last 20 years and what that might feel like. Uh, that's just, that's a similar size metropolitan area. It's been in a long, steady, declining population path. Uh, the group of Portland leaders took a trip to Cleveland, uh, you know, probably 10 years ago, and talked to economic development professionals there. And their strategy for economic development was to get onto planes and go to Boston, New York, and Washington, D.C., and ask people who had grown up to Cleveland to come home. Could you, could you imagine yeah. mm -hmm. sort of the desperation? You need, for, for an economy to be thriving and vibrant, you need new people to be moving in. You need new ideas to be coming in. You need more diversity. You need inclusion. And with people leaving or not moving to Portland and Multnomah County, we're also seeing this outflow of income to Clark County. That's can right. you tell us what's happening there? Yeah, so you know, there's been this long debate, and, and in some respects, we, we live in a little bit of an economic experiment. We've got the state with the most regressive system of taxation in Washington, and Oregon with one of the most progressive, uh, taxing higher income earners more, right next to each other, and then we drew a circle around it and made it a region. And, and so that, this, is, this is the region with the biggest intra-region tax difference of anywhere in the United States, which means that you don't have to move very far to change your tax and service package to your liking. And uh, economists have, have long said that in theory, it seems like that should happen. And I think you're starting to see a little bit with the taxes. And as we mentioned at the top of the show, $117 million in income moving from Multnomah County to Clark County. We're going to talk more about taxes in a moment. I want to talk with Michelle about a few more of your um, survey questions and might dig into a little bit about why. Right. And let's talk about quality of life. What are people saying about their quality of life in Portland? Um, well, the majority of people say quality of life is getting worse. And again, that has been true for the past several years, which wasn't true back, say, in 2019, right? So this is historically a shift. And if you look around and you have, you know, concerning economic situation and you feel like quality of life is getting worse, then you're, you're gonna leave. And what are they saying about their top concerns? I know you've asked that for a number of years. We have, and the, and the list of concerns has been the same, I would say, for the past several years. So top of the list is homelessness. That's been true for years. And that's important because people get really frustrated if they're all saying this is what needs to happen and it doesn't feel like progress is being made. Um, and then what has happened in the past couple of years is that crime really rose up. That did not used to be a top concern here in Portland, and it has for the past couple of years. And what about their economic concerns? What are you seeing there? Well, there for sure, um, <clears throat> with the economic uncertainty, you're never quite, you often see jobs as a, as a top concern, and that's not what we're seeing right now. We are again seeing cost of living and affordable housing. So, so those things that are hitting their pocketbooks, um, 
is what is top of mind. That they're not getting the services, they're seeing homelessness and crime, but it's becoming less affordable mm -hmm. to, to live here. And one of the big concerns, John, you touched on this, is taxes. Mm -hmm. How do Multnomah County taxes compare? You talk about Clark County and Washington, but how do Multnomah County taxes compare to the rest of the country? Yeah, well, uh, Ernst & Young, on behalf of the Oregon uh, Business and Industry, did a study back in October of 2022 and put the top income tax at second only to New York City. But it was it's, it's really actually worse than that because our top marginal rate comes in at a much lower level of income than in New York where you have to earn two and a half million dollars to get to that point. So you have this very high tax rate uh, in, in Portland and, and almost nothing uh, on the other side of the river with respect to income. So there you have it. You've, you, you've set up the incentives uh, for high earners, and uh, again, I would say we sort of wandered out onto that frontier of a major difference in it, and it looks as though people may be responding to it. And not only individuals, but businesses are feeling those taxes. Tell us about how much taxes have gone up for Portland businesses, Andrew. Yeah, so you know, overall, you're seeing that the city of Portland is collecting 32% more, you know, year on year in terms of business taxes, and just that's a overall you. Think of that from a government perspective, great, we have more resources, we can solve more problems, we are more equipped to be able to support the issues that voters care about. Uh, and so you can see right here, there's a demonstrable increase in the way that businesses are contributing. And, and here in Portland and in Multnomah County, we're dependent on business and property taxes to fund our general revenues. So you can say these are the things that are the most important. Now similarly, just like an individual can go north of the river and get a 14.7% raise, a business can go north of the river and get a 20% tax break for their overall contributions to, to government. I think that is a concern because you say, again, if we're, we're trying to recover this region, how can we help make sure we spend these resources appropriately so that we can see those changes on the ground so voters don't feel that the overall quality of life is impacted? And then secondly, we have to look at the overall tax structure as being one that is taking us out of a competitive advantage that we used to have relative to our own region. Uh, and John nailed it. We have to start competing for businesses and households like we never have before. It's a change in attitude. And before we go to break, Michelle, I want to look at um, individual taxes. What are people telling you in your survey about whether their taxes are too high, too low, or about right? Well, the majority of people are saying too high. And on the one hand, you know, most people are never going to be happy about paying taxes. So, <laughs> so let's, you know, um, but, but in general, like when I ask about specific services, there's usually about a quarter who always are like, I pay too much, right? So, and I'm just going to expect that as the baseline. At least a quarter of people think they pay too much. And here you have 61% saying they pay too much. So I just, I think you need to have that context that there may be this tipping point where there's attractive options. If the tax rate's going up, people are going to start thinking about that. And people are voting with their feet, so to speak. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look at what this all means for Portland and the region's future and talk about possible solutions. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk, I'm Laurel Porter. We're taking a close look at the latest report on the state of the Portland region's economy. And things are not looking rosy for the Rose City. What's happening? What does it mean for the future? Welcome again to my guests, Andrew Holm, president and CEO of the Portland Business Alliance, Michelle Neese, president of DHM Research, and John Taponia, president of Echo Northwest, which led the research. Thanks again for being here. Let's talk about Portland's reputation and what we're seeing in the media. And I think a lot of people probably saw this LA 
LA Times article with the headline, What's the Matter with Portland? Shootings, theft, and other crime test cities progressive strain. Andrew and John, how has this media attention impacted what we see happening in Portland? I'll start with Andrew. Sure, well, let's talk about reputation is more of a symptom, right? It's reflective of what's happening on the street and it's never perfect. And, and let's flash back to the before times and how the New York Times characterized the city as, as being a place of building boom and construction. We adopted the crane as our city bird and it wasn't a bird, it was the cranes that were dotting our skyline. So we earned that reputation as a place that was building and growing and expanding very rapidly and, and simultaneously the national reputation around how this is entire cities on fire is completely not true. However, the sense that Portland is slipping into a, a poorer quality of life is probably earned. And so I think when we talk about reputation recovery, it's fair to say there's critiques because that's the way we all feel. Um, however, we all know what we can do to correct it. And again, getting back to the basics. John, you want to comment on Yeah, Urban Land Institute does an annual poll of real estate developers and bankers and others that might invest in housing here, which is absolutely critical. We need a lot of it. Uh, and Portland went from one of the top-rated metros in the country to, you know, bottom quartile. So that's, that's really challenging. And they're, you know, they're picking up uh, the LA Times and the Seattle Times and others. Uh, and tying in with the reputation, Michelle, is how people feel about crime and, and if they feel safe downtown. What did you find out in your survey? What did they say? Well, people hear locals, right? It's not just a national reputation issue when the local people also don't feel safe downtown, right? And so um, certainly people outside of the city of Portland itself, the, the majority of those people don't feel safe and even half of Portlanders don't feel safe. So Andrew, what, what, what does this all mean? What, what does Portland need to do? What's the future look like? Well, broadly speaking, we've been on a winning streak for almost three decades. You know, and I think when a team goes on a winning streak, just, just like professional sports, sometimes it masks some flaws that, that are underlying. <clears throat> and we've certainly had those flaws exposed. And so I think what's true now is that going on the pace of challenges that we've faced over the last three years, uh, it's true we are a major metropolis now that faces major metropolitan challenges and we have to make very quick decisions. Do we rise to these challenges? Do we put on our big person pants and face them and correct the issues that are actually facing us, the, the things that are causing our reputational challenges? Um, or do we slide into what could potentially be decades of decline or stagnation? Those two choices are very simple for anyone in the business community to make. Um, it's time that we get going with a level of urgency to address these major issues uh, so that we can retain and grow back into the stature that we had amongst major American cities. And we can do this. And we're not the first city to be faced with these challenges. And so it's time to get going. John, what's the call to action here, do you think? I think there's a short term and then a medium to longer term. So in the short term, we have to execute on the taxes that we have raised. And we have to provide the service uh, that, that voters were promised and expected, especially around the homelessness services uh, tax. The, the voters have to, have to start to tell Michelle uh, that they are seeing uh, <laughs> seeing improvement. Uh, in the medium and longer term, I would look at the legislature right now. They've got two big bills that are moving through uh, early in this legislative session. One has to do with building a lot of housing statewide. We need to do that. The other one relates to the semiconductor uh, incentives. We need to do that as well, and that would be a big shot in the arm if, if something can happen there. Michelle, you asked a lot of questions from, from all the survey questions you did, the overview. What, what's your big takeaway? Well, I think voters and residents are very clear about what they want to see happen and the problems they want to see addressed and to me that 
sends a very clear call to action to leaders in the city, right? Address those concerns, make some progress, and get to work, you know, do real practical work. And if success is happening that maybe is quieter, then you need to, you need to share those stories and you need to make sure that people understand where we are succeeding. And Andrew, I want to give you about 30 seconds because the, for the first time, the report looked at, at downtown Portland. We're going to do a deep dive in that uh, in a bonus episode mm -hmm. of Straight Talk because we don't have enough time here. But can you tee it up for us? Yeah, the center city is challenged with vacancy rates that are sky high, decline in visitor traffic that is plateauing from our recovery. So you're looking at overall challenge position uh, for the center city, which drives so much of the economic activity and also the reputation of the city itself. And I think I want to just point out what's needed here and really really double click on what John was saying. Uh, Portland can't do this itself. If we are going to recover and if our downtown is going to be thriving again, we need the state, we need the governor, and we need our federal partners to intervene. And we're going to have a bonus episode of Straight Talk you can find on KGW.com and on the KGW YouTube channel where we look at the downtown core and what's happening there. Always a pleasure to have you on, John, Michelle, and Andrew here on Straight Talk. You can read more of the full report on KGW.com on this story. Join us next week for a one-on-one -on -one interview with Portland's Chief of Police, Chuck Lavelle. We'll see you then for Straight Talk. Have a great week.